Kevin, thank you very much, and welcome back. It's good to have you back, uh, for sure. Uh, I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church, um, meeting at the factory. It's an honor to be here with you guys. Thank you for making your way here to uh, the factory at GPC. Um, thank you to Adam Nagel, sitting over there. Adam, thanks for being willing to host uh, here and making sure everything is set up. I know you didn't do it all, but we're grateful to so many at the factory who did that. So it's a beautiful day to be here. So we're just honored to be here uh, with you guys here today. Um, I want to tell you a story quick as we finish up this series that we're called Teach Us to Pray. Um, and this goes all the way back to my childhood when I was about, let's say, eight or ten years old. Some of you know, I grew up in Barbados, all right? That's an island in the Caribbean that is about 250 miles north of Venezuela, uh, which now you're like, well, I don't know where Venezuela was anyway, so that point of reference didn't help me. Anyway, think tropical island, not very big, but a, a beautiful place. Someone had to do it, right? So in Barbados, um, the reality is, as a missionary kid, um, as many of you know, missionaries um, tend to kind of get along financially, but aren't necessarily known as like, you know, having the most stuff that just isn't the way it works. And so we often, we had, we were fine, um, but we didn't necessarily have the latest and greatest stuff. And that was okay. That wasn't really the point of, of our life, at least. And there were times, however, as a, as a little kid, when I remember that people would come down to visit from the great old U.S. of A., the land of plenty where everybody is flowing with milk and honey. I don't know what it is, but everything is big up here, so many things up here, and everything is cheaper. And so one of the things I learned is that when teams or people would come down to Barbados to visit us, um, we would have the opportunity to uh, make requests about things that we might like. And so as a kid at that age, I was like, you know what I would love? I would love, and I think what I was thinking of is a couple of things, one of three things, either a transformer, uh, matchbox cars, or a radio control car, all right? It was probably one of those three things in that uh, thing that I was thinking of. And my parents would ask me, okay, hey, these people are coming down, what would you like? And so I remember this very, very specifically. Um, I made a request, I think it was for one of those things. I think it was for, um, I think it was for a remote control car in this case. And when this team came down, here's why I was hopeful, because not everyone can deliver what you ask for. But here's why I was hopeful, because the team that was coming was led by a youth pastor, and I figured of all people, youth pastors should know what youth like, right? Right. And youth pastors have kids, and they should really understand how important it is to, to get what, for the kids what they're looking for. Now, we would pay for it. It's just that it would come from them. So this team came down, and they came to our place, and we visited with them, and then the time came for them to give us the gifts that we had. And so they kind of, they weren't really gifts. They were things that we bought, but it was just cheaper. Anyhow, so we set them to the side to open them later because evidently it's rude to open things like that in front of people, which I didn't understand. I'm like, seriously? Like, this is the whole point of the night, right? But it, evidently it wasn't the point of the night. The point was to host these people, not to open their gifts. So later in the night, and I remember this cleanly like it was yesterday, I left my room, and again, you got to get into a Caribbean mindset. You hear outside tree frogs, I hear them. The tree frogs are like little chirping, almost grasshopper sounds, chirping of the, the night. The cool breeze blowing through the house because the windows are always open, and my Snoopy curtains were blowing in the, in the breeze. The wrought iron gates around our windows were there to keep uh, perpetrators out, keep people out. And, and I walked through my bedroom into the hallway. I took a right, and then I took a left. And there in my sister's room was where our stash was located. Um, and so my parents came in there. My sister was in there. She was sitting on the edge of her bed. And I walked in. I couldn't wait to get my stuff. And I grabbed my stuff and I opened it. And I couldn't wait to get it, my remote control car. And you know what I got? I brought it here with me this morning. I got this. Socks. I got socks. White six-pack ankle length 
socks. It was awesome. I heard some of you be like, oh, that was real for me. That's, the disappointment was real for me as a kid. Now, I told myself, like, it's not that big a deal, whatever, I need to not make life about what I didn't get. But as I look back on my life now, let me ask you the question, was it too big of an ask for a 10, 11-year-old boy to be like, I would like a remote control car? Can you feel the weight of disappointment for that little boy not getting what he was asking for? Now, I don't know about you, but when you encounter disappointment, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? It can be heavy sometimes. And as simple as that is, you know what this represented to me? These socks? <laughs> it represented death to me. It was a death of a dream, of hope, that I would get what I was looking for. Because I couldn't go down to the store and get a remote control car, not in Barbados. They were way too expensive. I knew we didn't have the money. That was it. It's over. And that's not coming. However, I do have socks. What do you do when dreams die? What do you do when disappointment comes? What do you do, and specifically this morning, I need to ask the question around this idea of prayer because what is, what is it that you do when you've been praying or asking your Heavenly Father for something and it doesn't seem like it's too big of an ask? Is it really too big of an ask that your marriage is healed? Is it really too big of an ask that your kids go in a different direction? Is it really too big of an ask that you're healed from the disease that you have? Is it really too big of an ask for a Heavenly Father for you to have clarity around the future that you currently don't have? Is it really too big of an ask? And what people like me often will say to people like you is, listen, just keep praying, just keep trusting, just keep asking God. At some point, if you keep getting socks and you're hoping for remote control cars, at some point you have to ask, how do I continue hoping through prayer that my Heavenly Father will deliver for me? Because it feels like I'm being oversold and maybe under-delivered. What do you do with that? This morning as we finish this series called Teach Us to Pray, I want to just talk about that. There are times when we approach God and what we get is deep disappointment. And the ask that we have, it just wasn't too big. Now, the problem in the scriptures is not that God doesn't always answer our requests. If I'm honest, the problem is this, that God sets us up to hope a lot. He makes some, I would call it almost wild promises that says, get your hopes up because I'm coming. I want you to ask for things. And trust me, I'll deliver it. Then we don't always get it. And it can be confusing. I just want to give you an example. John, who was a follower of Jesus, he, he put it this way, and he was quoting Jesus, excuse me, and Jesus said this, uh, and John wrote it down in John 15. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That seems pretty universal, doesn't it? Matthew, who's another follower of Jesus, wrote this in Matthew 7. He said, ask. He's, he's recording Jesus' words. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. That's pretty universal. Pretty big, isn't it? Let's not water that down. This is Jesus saying this. These are the kinds of hopes that kids get when people come down to visit. Like, 
You asked. Those are good people coming on the plane. Ask and it will be given to you. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 11, right after this message, right after he gives the Lord's Prayer. He tells a story. He says it this way. In Luke chapter 11, verse 5, he says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine uh, on a journey, he has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, and here's where he says it, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He goes on. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You get the picture? He's saying, Come on, just look around you. Like, if your parents, if your family, if your mom or your dad, even though we're all broken and flawed, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to his children when they ask him? And yet, if you have ever prayed to God in this world, you have experienced a great big no more than once. You've not been able to pray your way out of anger, out of depression, out of sadness, out of loss, out of the loss of a loved one. You've not been able to pray your way and see God deliver in this way. And we have to ask the question, God, why do you set it up so big? <laughs> why do you set it up so big? It's like you're overselling us. But my experience in life, and maybe yours, is it feels like you underdeliver. It just sets me up not to care anymore. And maybe not even to pray. Because why bother? Why bother when you keep getting socks? So some of us, if we're really religious... And really committed, we tell ourselves, you know why God doesn't deliver? Because we're not good enough. Because aren't there some things in the Bible that say that you should have, I don't know, like enough faith? Maybe the problem is you, and maybe the problem is me. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus says to this, he says this, he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it'll be yours. James, who was a brother of Jesus, he says this way, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because a person who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Ah, there it is. Maybe the problem is me. I don't have enough faith. That's my, that must be the issue. But isn't there something else that I must do? Oh, yeah. In 1 John, another follower of Jesus puts it this way. He says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Oh, that must be it. I, I need to obey. <laughs> the reason I'm not getting what I want from God is because I'm disobedient. I mean, only I know what I looked at online this week, right? Only I know what I've thought about in my mind toward you this week, right? Only I know what's really going on inside of me and the angst and anger that I feel. Only I know what's going on inside of me. And so I know that God knows that. And so maybe the reason that I'm not getting what I'm asking for is either A, because I don't have enough faith, or B, I just really haven't been obedient enough. I haven't been consistent enough. And it's a beautiful way 
if you want to create your own religion, if you want to make your way to heaven, or try. This is a beautiful way to try to create your own self-salvation story. Just try to wrap up enough faith and enough obedience and keep trying as hard as you possibly can. White-knuckling it through life and saying, I can do this, I believe, I'm going to be good enough, I'm going to obey, I'm going to do all the right things, I'm going to pray, I'm going to trust. If it doesn't come, it's not God's fault, it's mine. I've got to trust more and believe more. I've got to do these things. Because then, maybe I'll stop getting socks. And maybe, maybe God will hear me. And maybe my prayers won't go into the vast darkness of the night. But maybe they'll go to a real loving Heavenly Father. But what if, what if there was somebody who was both perfect in his faith and perfect in his obedience and still didn't get what he wanted when he prayed? That's where I want to take you this morning. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Um, the Gospel of Luke is the fourth book in the New Testament, which is in the right two-thirds of your Bible. If you have a phone and you have version app, you can find it pretty easily there. Um, but Luke chapter 22, and if you don't own a Bible, no problem. I'm just going to read it this morning and, and we'll be set to go. But Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 39 is where we're going to be. This, I'm taking you to a scene, to a moment in Jesus' life where he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, this place that um, is near the Mount of Olives. And he's going to be praying to his Heavenly Father. And let's read and see what happens. We're going to explore what happens here with Jesus here for a minute. Verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. I'm going to pause it there for a minute. What we read in another gospel is that the disciples actually fell asleep during that time. Verse 42, Jesus speaking, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What does that mean? What that means is his cup of suffering that would be going to the cross. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't want to go to the cross to be tortured and die. I wouldn't either. I'm sure you wouldn't either. Yet not my will, he says, but yours be done. Verse 43. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And verse 44. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Meaning it wasn't enough that the angel came. It wasn't that he just sat there and said, okay, I believe it. I'm fine to go to the cross. Actually, this made Jesus want it even more. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat. You ever sweated while you prayed? You ever sweat drops of blood? His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. How bad do you think Jesus wanted this? I mean, this is no filter anymore. This is a man who is so deeply in anguish about what is to come. There aren't words that I can find to describe how deep Jesus wants this. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, it reads this way. Jesus is saying, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's what he said to his disciples. So what's happening here? When you look at what's happening here, Jesus is making this incredible request to his Father. And let me ask you, is it too much to ask? Is it too much to ask if you're going to the cross and you know that you don't deserve it from a justice standpoint? You've done nothing wrong and you're about to be tortured to death. Is it too much to ask? 
of the Heavenly Father to say, please don't do this to me? Is it too much to ask for your friends to sit there and pray with you? Is that too much to ask? But look what happened to Jesus. His friends fell asleep on him. You ever feel that on your journey? You're walking a road, you're deep in anguish, and your friends are falling asleep on your worries. You said, hey, do you mind just encouraging me? You know, I just want to let you know I'm going through this thing. Hey, it's good to know. And they never check back in with you again. You don't hear a single thing from them. In fact, just in sharing your journey, it pushes them further away. They're gone. This is what happens to Jesus. His friends, they've fallen asleep. He's just told them, my soul is in anguish to the point of death. And they're like, that's good for you. We're going to take a nap. Let us know when you're done with your prayer time. His friends have, have backed off. Well, you could almost imagine that someone like Jesus could rely on the church maybe to help him, but the church, still being established, the religious leaders at the time, they were the ones who were persecuting him. Jesus didn't find any help in the church, that's for sure. Number one, it wasn't fully established, but number two, they're the ones who are actually persecuting him. Jesus didn't find any help even with the people that he was looking to come help. These are the people that he, he healed, he connected with, he was personally engaged with, gave to them and served them. These people said, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want him. When Jesus even looked for help from God the Father, some of the last words recorded from Jesus, in fact, the last word on the cross, he asked the question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the last words of Jesus. Why have you forsaken me? Can you feel the abandonment of the moment? A few minutes ago, some of you connected with my story. And just instinctively, you're like, oh, when I didn't get socks, or when I got socks and not my remote control car. Can you feel the disappointment for Jesus? The deep disappointment, the sense of this is, this is all that I wanted, and I don't get it. That his father is saying, no, sorry, you're going to have to go through this. Does he really want it? He really wants it, he doesn't get it. For Jesus, he's abandoned, he has no answers. Jesus has no problem with faith, and he has no problem with disobedience but he still doesn't get what he wants. Jesus is the very one who said, yeah, ask and it'll be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. He asked, he saw it, he knocked and the door's closed. You're not going to get that. What do I do with this? I don't know about you, but one of the things that I wonder about in times like this, this may not be your instinct, but it's mine. I want to know why. I don't know about you, but I want to know why. I want to know why is it that God doesn't come through when I want him to. Over the past couple of years, um, I began to ask the question, really, is why the right question to ask? Uh, some of you know our family story a little bit. Um, we've gone through, how um, to say this really simply, we've gone through some challenges with our family um, relative to, um, oh, how do I say that easily? Uh, it has been a hard year and a half with our family. Um, with the arrest of my brother-in-law um, and what he, uh, what he did um, to Linda Stoltzfus in our community. Um, and that hits each of us differently um, in our family, um, in different ways and different times. And as we sat with a counselor one time and tried to unpack, why is it that this happened? One of the things they said to us, she said to us, she said, is it really going to help you to know why. Probably not. Probably not. It's probably not going to help. 
is what good why is there for something like that? Our instinct, when we don't get what we want, when God feels so distant that the blackness of the night just chokes out his voice and our soul is in anguish and we're so distant from him and we're so disappointed with religion, with people, with our families, with ourselves. We just want to know, why? Why does it have to be this way? Why didn't you come through? I think I've learned that why might not be the question we really want an answer to. There are there are ingredients, if you will. Uh, if you think of making a cake, let's say there's six, eight ingredients. Uh, there are some ingredients that we can put together to form an answer to that question of why. Meaning some people will say, well, here's why. Because we live in a fallen world. God's ways are higher. God's timing is different. He'll come through at a later time. It's not a no. It's just not right now. None of those little ingredients seem to be able to kind of come together and make a cake tastes right or satisfies in these situations. I have yet really to find an answer. And so if I can just be honest with you, I don't know why. Okay? I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why. But I also don't know that why is the right question to ask. There are two other questions that I think are better to ask. One is this. Where am I? Where am I? Number two is, what do I do where I am? Where am I? Why do I say that? Where am I? This is the question. Where am I? Where and what is better than why? <laughs> Think about where Jesus is for a minute. Jesus is in the garden. He's looking forward to death. He knows it's coming. He prays and asks his father to remove it from him. He doesn't do it. Where is Jesus in that moment? He's deeply in anguish. He pauses in that space. He grieves. He is in tears. He uh, prays sweat drops of blood. He is so in, in that space. That he's fully present with where he is. Let me take you back to my story um, of my socks. These are actually my real dirty socks. Well, they're clean. They're clean. These are my real clean socks now. As an 11-year-old boy, 10, 11-year-old boy, when I got these socks instead, what I did... um, was I, um, I internalized it all because I knew that it was, well, I told myself it's foolish to cry, to express sorrow or grief over socks. <laughs> and so what I told myself, I kind of made an agreement and I basically lied to myself and to people around me in that situation. And here's what I said, like, that's okay it didn't really matter anyway. That wasn't true. It wasn't okay, and it did matter to me at that time. I wasn't honest with where I was because I felt like sharing that wasn't going to help anything and wasn't the right place. And so what I did is I made an agreement, if you will, with myself to say, you know what? Life's going to be full of disappointments all along the way. So rather than grieving this simple death, as an 11-year-old boy, 10, 11-year-old boy, I'm going to learn. You know what? Life's full like that. It's better not to hope anyway. So if I can deaden my heart a little bit to hope, then I'll deaden it to pain. Then I won't feel that way again if I don't ever get my hopes up again. I didn't know I was there, but that's where I was. 
I learned in that moment, just stop hoping so much. Right? Just stop hoping. Come on. If you hope less, you'll be disappointed less. Right? It's a simple formula. And if you're disappointed less, you won't feel as much pain. And so where I was as a boy is I was experiencing loss and grief and even a death. As silly as the story is, that is where I was. But I wasn't honest with it at all. I just said, oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you for a minute. Are you experiencing loss? Are you experiencing a death of a dream, of a hope? You may or may not ever have been honest with yourself or honest with God about what you are experiencing. And some of you are going through some really hard times. And you might think it's safer and right in a social environment to just be like, you know, it's okay, it's okay, it's fine. It's not that big a deal anyway. It wasn't that big. Someone else has a worse story. It's not that big a deal. Like, uh. And you're not comfortable where you are, where your feet are planted. And I want to encourage you to, to sit for a minute. <laughs> be comfortable where you are. And ask God, God, where are you where I am? Here I am. Here I am. I've never before told you, God, I am deeply disappointed with the way this is working out. I don't know what to do from here. Where are you in your prayers and your hopes for God? Where are you? That's the first question to ask. Where are you? Please, do not settle for what I settled for as an 11-year-old. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. My dreams didn't matter that much. It's easier not to hope. Don't deaden your heart to that. The second thing I want to encourage you to ask is, what can I do? What can I do from here? Where am I and what can I do? You know what Jesus did in the garden? He had this prayer, this prayer that was honestly not too much to ask. God, would you keep me from experiencing torture on the cross? That's, <laughs> come on, that's the basic, that's the basic hope of God, like that God would keep me alive, give me life, not death. God, will you do the very thing that you say you do? To which God says, I'm, no. No, you're going to go to the cross. And so Jesus did the next thing right in front of him and was faithful to the next thing. And I don't know what that is for you, and I'm not going to try to prescribe something to you because I don't know your next step. But I know that what Jesus did is he just kind of took that next step and said, okay, God, I'm going to be honest with you to the point of anguish in my soul. And then I'm going to get up and I'm going to do the next thing that you want me to do as hard as that might be. I'm going to do the next thing that you want me to do. So why is it? Why is it that God doesn't answer all the prayers we ask? I don't know. Why is it that God puts a, what almost seems like an, a, an overselling of hope uh, of our prayers? I think what God wants us to do is not deaden our heart to the joy and the pain of life. To be honest with him and say, God, this is where I am. This death has come. This pain is here. And I'm deeply disappointed. God, this joy is here. This life is here. Will you help me? But this, where am I and what do I do? I think this is what Jesus did. And so I don't know where you are in your journey, where you are in your story, but I can almost guarantee you, if I had a chance to sit with you and chat, there will be some things that you are going through that maybe have kept you distant from God or maybe even have kept you from praying for a long time. Because maybe you've agreed, it's just not worth it. Because I don't really get what I want anyway. We don't get really the big things we ask for, so let's just kind of, let's kind of mail it in at the average level. 
Just pray for a couple things here and there. If God doesn't answer, it's probably my fault. Jesus didn't do that. He went directly and harder for what he wanted. He still got to know. And he stepped up and did the next thing right in front of him. So where are you? Where are you? I want to encourage you to take a minute in your life right now. Where are you? What loss have you experienced that maybe has drawn you and pulled you away from a relationship with a heavenly father? And then I want to encourage you to do the next thing right in front of you, even like Jesus did. Jesus gets the pain and he gets the hurt that you've experienced. And he also gets this, and this is so important, and this is how I want to end. Here's the deal for the Christian. For the Christian, they often see, or excuse me, most people often see the time in the garden as the end. That's the last chapter. Do you know why Jesus did the next thing that was in front of him? Because he knew that wasn't the last chapter. The death that you experience isn't the last chapter of the book. It is for almost everybody else on the planet, but for Christians alone, there's another chapter, and it's the final one, and that is this, that there's life that comes from death. That is the hope that I want to leave to you. That is the hope I want to leave with you. There's life that comes after death. That is reality. Jesus went to the cross, and he died, and he came back to life. This is what Christians believe, that at the end of the day, we don't hope just that things will get better in this world. We hope in justice that one day God will bring justice to bear in all of things. So for the Christian, this pain and angst of life is not the end of the story, and this is how we keep going. Christians go forward not because they're stronger than others. They don't do the next best right thing because they're stronger. They only do the next thing because they know there's another chapter to the book. Death isn't the end. When you don't get what you're looking for, even to the degree of the death of a loved one, the death of yourself like Jesus, we move forward because the Christian hope is that there is life after death. There's one more chapter. So why doesn't God do all that he wants us? Why doesn't he do all that we want him to do? I don't know. But here's what I do know. There's, there's one more chapter after death. Know where you are. Do the next best thing in front of you that you know God wants you to do. And do not ever forget, please, that if you call yourself a Christian, there is hope. There is hope beyond the death that you experience right now. And if that's a relationship with a Heavenly Father that you have never quite experienced, that's the conversation I would love to have with you. And our staff would love to have with you here today. All right, Guys, thanks for listening this morning. I love you. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to be here this morning to pause and reflect on this hard uh, topic about why you don't deliver us from the things that we want delivered from. What do we do with the disappointment we face when things don't go the way that we were hoping they could go? When our requests are not out of line, when they're in line with your values, we still don't get what we want. What do we do with where we find ourselves? And so I pray that you would help us to be honest with where we are, not to rush too quickly forward, but to take a moment and know where we are and embrace where we are, be honest with you where we are, and to do the next thing in front of us, all the while not forgetting that death is actually not the last chapter. Not for Christians. But that even for Jesus, life 
came after death. So God, I pray that you would renew in us that vision of honesty with where we are, honesty with you and ourselves, and a renewed hope of what it means to see life after death for each of us. Thank you for your care and your love for us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. making sure it's on. Um, well, thank you, Tim, for that message and encouraging us to ask those questions. Where am I and what do I do with where I am? Um, and I love the idea of Jesus had perfect faith and perfect obedience. So when I fall in that trap of thinking, I need more faith or I need more obedience to get, you know, my prayers answered, it's, it's good to think about, well, Jesus was that way and he's still got to know. So that was encouraging for me. Thank you. Um, well, at this point, I would love to invite you to find your connection card, which was in the row um, where you're sitting. Um, this is a time that we can fill out any information if you're a guest with us. We're glad you're here if you're a guest. Um, this is a way to communicate any information that you would like to with Grace Point. Um, if you have any prayer requests, there's a spot on the back. The elders and prayer team pray for that each week. Um, and you're welcome to fill that out or anything else that you would like to on the back. So we're going to take about a minute or so to fill out your information. Um, there's a pen in the row in front of you, so go ahead and do that. Thanks for taking some time to fill that out. There is a basket at the welcome desk that you can hand that in. And that's also where you can put any giving that you might have this morning. Thanks for continuing to be generous, um, just helping our ministries propel forward um, in your giving. If you're a guest, we're so glad to have you here. We do have a book for you at our welcome desk. You're welcome to grab and take it with you. Um, go ahead and read it. It's by Andy Stanley. It's a good little read. Um, well, there's different ways that you can get connected um, with some ministries that Grace Point kind of shares with the factory. One of them is called The Front Porch. It happens on Wednesday, so this upcoming Wednesday at 6.30. You're welcome to attend. It's a time just to spend some relational time talking um, about faith matters um, and just getting to know some people. So that's here at the TCC at 6.30 on Wednesday. Another thing happening um, coming up actually in October is BLAST. BLAST is our Wednesday kids program. I see a little woohoo over there. Um, 
kids look forward to it. Um, it's biblically based, but it's a lot of fun. It's coming up um, in October. And if you would love to have a tour of the factory ministries today after our service, you're welcome to meet with Adam. I think he'll be up here. Maybe Adam, raise your hand for people who don't know who you are. He's the executive director here. He will be happy to give you a tour. Um, well, next week we are looking forward to being back at our church um, at Grace Point for a 1015 service, and the kids will be starting their own program at 1015 as well. So I hope you guys have an awesome week, and you are dismissed. <laughs>